Hey guys, how's it going? This is Josue Salcedo, youth pastor of Remnant Youth here at King Jesus Ministry. This is the Remnant Youth Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in with us today. And if you're looking for something that speaks louder than your situation and you want to know what God is saying now, then this message is for you. So let's give a quick recap. So we started this brand new series titled My Revival. Say with me, My Revival. And last week's title was called, of the message was called The Greatest of All. And last week we explained what is revival. Do y'all remember what the word revival means? If you remember what the word revival means, you would know that revival literally means to bring back to life. What does revival mean? To bring back to life or that which you had and lost. That is revival. Whenever you talk about revival, it's something that you had but you lost. In revival, you gain what you lost and now you have it once again. In revival, whatever is dead, it resurrects. God brings it back to life. We also mentioned that the word re in revival literally means to Go back to what was originally destined to be. So in revival, not only does God bring things back to life, not only does he bring back to you what you lost at one point in your walk with God, but now he also brings you into a life that you were predestined to be. Many of you that were here maybe two conferences ago, Uh, The last CGC conference that we had, you heard me talk about a little bit about my testimony. When I was 20 years old, God showed up and said, I don't don't recognize this Josue. This is not the Josue I knew before you were born into this world. This is the anti-you. This is the fake you. This is the you that the devil wanted to mold you to become. And now what happened when he revived me, he took me from where I was on earth from the life that I was living, and he aligned me, he revived me to the life I was meant and created to live. Therefore, I'm a youth pastor today. Say with me, revival. And we also spoke that the root word of revival is the word revive, and that word literally means to bring back, to bring back to life again. So my question to you tonight is, is there an area in your life that needs to come back to life again? Does your commitment need to come back to life? Does your passion need to come back to life? Does your service unto God need to come back to life? Does, is there an area in your prayer life that needs to come back to life? Does your praise have to come back to life? Does God have to revive or resurrect any area of your life? Are you currently living a life you weren't designed to live? You weren't meant to live. God didn't create you to do what you're doing now. He didn't create you to be who you are now. He created you to be someone else. And to Tonight you say, God, I need you to revive me. Is there anybody here? Can I get an amen? So we also spoke about Psalms chapter 85, verse 6 and 7. If we can go there, please. If you can put the, the Passion Translation for me. Psalms 85, verse 6 through 7. You're going to want to write this because this is a prayer right here. This is a declaration right here. If you want to be revived by God. How many of you want to be revived by God? How many of you want God to bring something back to life in your walk with him, in your relationship with him, or just in life in general? Can I see some hands? If you want God to revive you, if you want God to bring something back to, you, to life 
in your current life or in your relationship with him, you're going to want to write this scripture down because this scripture is a prayer and it's a declaration for God to revive you. Let's read it together. Revive us again, oh God. I know you will. Give us a fresh start. How many of you need a fresh start? It is biblical, it is sound, it is legal for you to ask God for a fresh start. I'm going to go somewhere where people are responding to the message. It is legal for you to ask God for a fresh start as a leader, as a mentor. It is legal for you to go before the Lord and say, God, I've been serving you for three years, but today I need a fresh start. I've been committing to you for the past 10 years, but today I need a fresh start. I've been winning souls for the entire walk of my life, but today I need a fresh start. I need a fresh passion. I need a fresh fire. I need fresh commitment. Is there anybody here that needs something fresh? Can I tell somebody here tonight, some of you in the spirit, you you smelling a little funny. It's like walking down Publix in the fish aisle. You can smell you're not fresh and you need something fresh. Your attitude doesn't smell fresh. And you ought to be one of the young people tonight that say, Oh God, revive me and give me a fresh attitude. Give me a fresh service. Give me some fresh evangelism. My prophetic words, they're not so prophetic now. I need something fresh. Somebody holler, God, revive me. The NLV, the New Life Version, says it this way. Will you not bring us back to life Again, oh God, so that your people may be happy in you. That's the prayer that this scripture is leading us to make. Will you not bring us back to life? Will you not bring our relationship with you, our prayer life, back to life? Will you not bring my commitment back to life? So that what? So that your people may be happy in you. Can I tell you, your revival is not just about you. Your revival doesn't end with you. It starts with you. And your revival is for your family. Your revival is for your school. Your revival is for your co-workers. It's for your boss. It's for your neighborhood. Everybody up in your neighborhood needs to know God has revived you. Everyone in your high school needs to know. You want to know when people are going to be happy with God? Oh, you want to know when your family is going to be happy with God? When your father and your mother see you revived. When your friends start seeing you revive, you, oh, can I, 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 I got to slow down. I got to slow down. I forgot. We're just giving a recap here. What did you have? Thank you. What did you have that you lost? That's my question to you tonight. What did you once have in your walk with God? What did you once have here at King Jesus Ministries? What did you once have as a disciple or someone passionate for God? What did you have as a leader, as an evangelist? What did you have in your house of peace? What did you have in your discipleship that you lost? That's what God is revival of. God is revival of the passion you lost. 
God is the God of revival of the commitment you once had, of the service you once served with, of the praise you used to praise with. He is the God of revival of your life. He is the God of the revival of the life you've never lived and never tasted, but you were created to taste and live. He is the God of revival of the life you perhaps miss. He is the God of, of the revival of the life that you perhaps miss. Maybe you, you came here tonight or maybe you been living this year like man God I remember when I used to do this and I used to be like that and I used to pray like this well guess what he is the God of revival of the life you miss and we gave the example of the prodigal son Luke chapter 15 verse 11 through 24 we read about the prodigal son the son that had it all the son that was living large he had an MTV crib. He had a father with money. I think his father's last name might have been Trump or Gates. And he received an inheritance. And the Bible teaches us that he went into the world and he wasted it all. He spent all that he had on wild and foolish things. And the thing about leaving your father's house, you end up living and eating with pigs. And that's where he found himself. Anyone here want their line of work to be feeding pigs? He ended up living and eating with them. And we also find out that he came into the realization and said, I want to go back to my father's house. Anybody want to go back to their father's house in the area of their commitment? in the area of their service, in the area of their passion? Is there anybody want, that wants to go back to their father's house because you missed the way you used to live as a son in your father's house. You used to miss the life you used to live when you were passionate and on fire for God. Is there anybody that wants to come back to the father's house and live and be passionate and be committed and prophesy and win souls and make disciples and do life from your father's house? And so he came into the realization that I want to go back to my, body, my father's house because better is to be a servant at your father's house than anything you can become outside. He came with a predetermined, compelling argument to the father. If we can go there, verse 21. Passion translation, please. He knew what he was going to tell his father. He had the compelling argument to become a servant when he was a son, what the world will do to you. And he came to his father, and let's read along. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. Can I tell you, there cannot be revival without repentance. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be and the father kind of put his hand on his chest and said, yo, let me interrupt you real quick. The father didn't even let his son finish talking. And what did the father say? You're home now. All God wants is for you to come home. 
while you're trying to explain yourself and give God your father excuses on why you spent all that he gave you, you know what God is doing? He's trying to interrupt you and he's trying to tell you, I don't care what inheritance you wasted. I don't care what you've been doing out there in the world. I don't care all the wild and foolish things that you've been doing. All I care is that you are back home. All I care is that you're back at your father's house to know who you are. You're not a servant. You're a son, and the Bible ends up telling us, this story ends by the father saying, you were once lost, but now you're found. You were once dead, but now you're alive. What is that? That is revival. Whenever God finds you once again, whenever God gives you life once again, I don't care, and neither does the father care what you've been doing. He's trying to interrupt what you're trying to explain, and all he cares about is you knowing I'm glad you home somebody holler revive me God come on now don't talk to me about your condition let me talk to you about the God of revival all right and now pouring may last an outpouring may not last forever, but a revival can. There's a difference between an outpouring and a revival. An outpouring is outside, a revival is inside. And revival starts in the heart. The greatest miracle is the transformation of the heart. Revival starts in the heart. That's why the biggest sign of revival is repentance. And we finished last week by saying that the greatest revival, the greatest revival of them all is your own revival. The greatest revival, you know which one it is? Your revival. And I want to tell you once again, like I told you last week, I believe in your revival. I believe in your revival. Come on, somebody give... A hand clap to God. Pastor, what do you mean my revival is the greatest of them all? If you was to ask my mom, what, re what revival she prefers, Azusa Street or the revival of her son, what do you think she's going to say? Azusa Street didn't get my, save, my friend saved. But the Josue David Salcedo revival did. The greatest revival that could ever take place, what good is it for you to be in the midst of miracles and your heart hasn't changed? The only revival that can keep you out of hell is your own revival. All right, we're going we're gonna to step into the next. We're going to step into tonight. What is tonight called? Tonight is called the God of revival. And I'm so excited to just preach this to you. I promise you I'll take 15 minutes. That's all I need. One of the greatest revelations that God has ever given me is the following. My life changed because God was after me. I could have died when I was eight years old crossing the street to go into a hospital. And literally while I was running, I felt a hand the size of my entire body stop me. 
and a car almost ran me over. It was an angel's hand. My life changed. I'm still alive because of it, because God was after me. I could have, I could have died in a drug overdose all alone in my own living room after smoking weed that was mixed with I don't know what type of chemical and other drugs, and I almost died, and I pleaded with God, God, please give me a fresh start. Please revive me. Please spare me. Give me life. And I threw up this black stuff, and he spared me. You see, my life changed because God was after me. I would go in and out of church. I would go to different retreats, and God would encounter me, and I would have this fresh fire. And I would come back thinking and believing, and my attitude was like, man, I'm never going to go back to the world ever again. I'm sold out for Jesus. But then two weeks later, it was like I never had an encounter to begin with. And I went back to doing what I used to do and being who I used to be, even though that wasn't and it's not the original me. So what's the greatest revelation? The greatest revelation is, even though my life changed because God was after me, my life changed a billion times more. Now watch this. Get this. What type of life can be a billion times more better and greater than a life of God chasing after you? I mean, can you, can you just picture that for a moment? I need somebody to play God. Can you just play God, Chris? All right. I want you just chasing me. Wherever I go, just come after me, as close as you can come. What type of life is a billion times better than God just pursuing you? What, what type of life is a billion times better than a life that God is after you, that God is chasing you? It almost seems like there can't be possibly any better life than this to live a life that God is after you. You go to the club, you drive back home drunk, and you didn't die in a car accident. God is after you. You smoked the wrong drugs, and you almost died from a drug overdose, but God is after you. You didn't die. What type of life can be a billion times better than a life that God's chasing you? I'll tell you, it's a life where you're chasing after God, where it's no longer God chasing after you but now you're chasing after God it doesn't matter how tired you can get I'm gonna read the Bible it doesn't matter if I fall asleep it doesn't matter if two minutes into the worship song I'm thinking about my ex-girlfriend I'm gonna follow God I'm gonna chase after God can I tell you my life changed a billion times more the moment I decided to pursue and chase after the God that chased me that delivered me that healed me Somebody got a shout. That's what separates the regular believer from an apostle Guillermo Maldonado. That's what separates. That's what makes the difference between a regular believer and a Benny Hinn, a Bill Johnson, whoever. That's what makes the difference. How much are you pursuing God? How much do you want change? That should determine how much you're chasing after God. Oh, I feel it now. I feel the unknown and I feel his presence. 
However amount of change you want, that should determine how much you're chasing after God. However much you want to be healed and sanctified and delivered, that should determine the level that you're chasing after God. Don't tell me you really want change and you're not chasing after the changer. Don't tell me you want anointing and be anointed and you're not chasing after the anointer. Don't tell me you want a new life and you want to be born again, but you're not chasing the one that can give you a new name and a new life. Don't tell me if you really want to change, if you really want it bad enough, you are, oh my God, you need to chase after God. How bad do you want him to prosper you? How bad do you want him to change you? How bad do you want him to deliver you? What degree are you chasing after God? Because if you're not chasing after him, he's never going to change you the way you desire to be changed. Because in the chasing is the reviving. Let me show you how this goes, and I'm gonna, about to close now. Because y'all are so excited. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10 through 17. NIV, please. Are y'all ready for tonight's message? That was the introduction to this. When he reached a certain place, he stopped. We're going to read all the way to verse 17. If we can start at verse 10. Jacob, who? How many of you know who Jacob is in the Bible? Okay. Jacob left Beersheba and, le- and said out to Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. The, uh, there above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you're lying. There's so much to say there, but I don't have time. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. Have you ever received a prophetic word you thought you wasn't ready for? Have you ever had an encounter with God and he just starts showing you things on why you were really supposed to be living and why you're really still alive and why you made it and why you didn't die? All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Verse 15. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have done promised you. I just want to tell somebody that God is just affirming that he's going to do what he promised to do with you. He's going to do what he promised to do through you. He's going to, he's going to do exactly what he told you he would do back in that retreat, back at that house of peace, back at that campsite. I, I want to just remind someone of God's promises over your life, his declarations and his prophetic words. But let me teach you something. 
You want to know how all those things are going to come about? God has to revive you. Write this down. Your revival starts at your encounter. Or your revival starts at an altar. For some of you, listen, because I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to finish. Your revival starts at an altar. For some of you, your altar was right here at church. For others, your altar was in the streets. Some of you, your altar was at a club. Some of you, your altar was at a house of peace. Revival first starts at your encounter. Or revival first starts at an altar. At the altar of your life. Question, where did God meet you? Where did God encounter you? You see, I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm going to just say this. God builds an altar. God builds an altar wherever you're at so that he can encounter you. But then he expects for you to build an altar so that you can continue to encounter him. And I want to speak to you a little bit tonight on what an altar means. Genesis chapter 35 verse 1. And with this, I begin to close. Then God said to Jacob, I need a Jacob. I need a, a Jacob to help me out here. Can we move the, the altar? All right, Jacob, here we go. This is Jacob. And Jacob represents the man that God is chasing. I want you to walk around, Jacob. Jacob represents the man that God is chasing. He, he represents the mess up, the black sheep of the family, the one that always disobeys and likes to disobey, the rebel. Jacob represents the one that's kind of like, ah, I'm not going to go to Remnant Youth on Friday night. I'm going to just go and hang out with some hoes. I'm going to just go out to a club and just drink and get drunk. And you see, Jacob represents the prodigal son. Jacob represents the Saul before Paul. Jacob represents the Simon before Peter. Jacob represents a depressed Albert, a, a, an immoral Albert, a dumb, a foolish Albert, a rebel Albert. Jacob represents everybody up in this room. Now I want you to catch this. Let's go back to the, to the word. Then God said to Jacob, go where? Go to Bethel for what? And settle there and build what? Build a what? This is our beautiful altar that they've created. Build an altar there to who? To a female? To a little boyfriend? A job? A career? Build an altar to what? This is not part of the preaching, but in life you either worship or you idolatrize. Whatever you build an altar for, that's what you'll worship. He tells... Jacob, go to Bethel and settle there and build a what? Unto who? Who what? When you were what? 
You know what I love about this verse? Jacob had an encounter before he had ever built an altar. You know what I love about this verse? That God, you know what the word and the name Jacob means? The name Jacob means a carn artist. The word, the name Jacob means a thief, a trickster. And you know what I love about this verse? Here is God telling Jacob after Jacob encountered him back in chapter 26. So we're a couple of chapters after he had an encounter, after God showed him everything that God was calling Jacob to do, after God had promised him all the land and all the precious things that he was going to do with Jacob. You see, even though Jacob had an encounter, Jacob still went back to the world. Jacob still went back to stealing. Jacob still went back to his old ways. So God showed up again and told him, Jacob, go back to where I appeared to you. Another translation says, go back to where I encountered you. Go back to where I revealed myself to you and build me an altar. Do you know why God told him, go back to Bethel? Go back to the place where I met you? Go back to the moment. Go back to the memory where I touched you, where I set you free, where I delivered you, where you knew I was more real then than you did five minutes before I revealed myself to you. Do you want to know why God told Jacob, go and build an altar? Because God had already seen what happened to Jacob when he saw angels ascending and descending from heaven. And even though he had an encounter, it wasn't enough to revive him. You see, God will always release an outpouring to try to revive you. Listen to what I'm telling you. Stay with me. I got five more minutes. God told Jacob, go and build me an altar. Because if you don't build an altar, you can't sustain your revival. If you don't build an altar, you can never sustain what God does in your life. Give me a second, Albert. That's why for me, I would go to a retreat, catch on fire, and lose fire. That's why for me, someone will minister to me, I get delivered, and lose my deliverance, and still go back into bondage. You want to know why many of you, you're still struggling in certain areas in your life? You want to know why many of you, you have to make the same prayer we're making, oh God, revive me? You know why many of you, you've lost something, or you've lost many things in your walk with God? Because you haven't built an altar. And if you don't build an altar, it doesn't matter matter if God hands it to you, you will lose it. Only if you build an altar where God met you is the only way you can sustain what God gives you. I came tonight to speak to somebody. If you want to sustain your deliverance, if you want to sustain your encounter, your healing, you got to build an altar. If you don't want to go back to pornography, if you don't want to go back to the life you used to live before he encountered you, you got to build an altar. You see, I want somebody to see this visually. The reason why God told Jacob, Jacob, go back to the place where you encountered me. I want you to, to try to come back to me. Jacob, go back to the place that you encountered me and build an altar. Because if you don't, when you don't have an altar, you'll go backwards. I Did you just hear what I just said? 
If you don't build an altar, you'll go backwards. As if you never even had the encounter to begin with. So God was pleading, almost begging Jacob, go back and build an altar because if you don't, I know what's going to happen to you. I know you're going to go back to the world. I know you're going to go back to sin. I know you're going to go back to living and eating with the pigs. So I need you to go and build an altar because I need you to sustain the deliverance, the blessing, the breakthrough, the healing that I've given you. God is telling you, build an altar. He's pleading with you, build an altar. Because if you don't, you'll lose it. Hold on, hold on. This is the best part. Exodus, and I close. Exodus chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. It's an encounter. It's an encounter where Jacob's revival started. It's an encounter where your revival starts. Listen to what I'm telling you. It's because Jacob built an altar why he became Israel. If Jacob would have just encountered God, and that was the end of it, none of those promises would have came to pass. If Jacob would have not built an altar, he would have never became Israel. Without an altar, Simon would have never became Peter. Saul would have never became Paul. Oh, I'm going to preach to you these last five minutes. Exodus 3, 6, I love this. After Jacob has an encounter with God and his revival starts and he's being revived, how do you know you're being revived? When there's change in your life, when there's transformation in your heart. And after Jacob has his encounter, builds an altar, and he becomes Israel years after. Someone say with me, years. Years after another man by the name of Moses has an encounter with God and God built an altar to meet with Moses so that Moses in return can do the same thing he asked Jacob to do, build an altar so that Moses can continue to encounter God. Are you with me? But this is a revelation. He tells Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham. Do you remember when God told this to Jacob? I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of who? Wouldn't you think that God would say, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel? Wouldn't you think that God would say, I am the God of Moses, I, I am the God of Abraham, I am the God of Isaac, and I am the God of the man who I changed, who I delivered and transformed? Wouldn't you think that God would brag about 
the man who built an altar and is no longer called by his own name but by a new name? But God doesn't tell Moses that. God says, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. And I am the God of a man named Trickster. I am the God of a thief. I am the God of a carn artist. I want to tell somebody tonight, God is a God of testimony. He is the God of revival. You want to know why he didn't say I'm the God of Israel? Because he wanted to prophesy and tell Moses what I did with a Jacob, I'm about to do with you. I am the God of a new name, of a new life. My God, I came tonight to tell somebody he is not just the God of your success. He is the God of your failures. He's not just the God of your present and of your future. He is the God of your past. He is the God of your past, of your mistakes of your sin. If God himself is not ashamed of your past, why are you? He's the God of your testimony. He is the God of revival. And he's telling you tonight, I'm not just the God of the anointing I gave you. I'm the God of your screw-ups. I'm not just the God of the order in your life. I'm the God of the mess in your life. I am as much the God when you did things right. Where's James? Can we put that back? You know what God is saying? God is saying, I am the God of James that was sitting in a hotel lobby drunk as hell as much as I am the God of a newborn James. The, the same way I am the God of a man who got drunk and passed out in the back of the seat of a car. I am the God of a new James. I am the God of a James that I have a purpose, a destiny, and a future on. I am the God just as much when you were in the world with the pigs as you are when you came back home. Somebody holler, I'm the God of revival. Somebody holler, God of revival. Listen. Listen. What is God saying? I'm the God of your revival. Did I just say holler, I'm the God of revival? We worship the God of revival. I want to let you know he is the God of the depressed you as much as he is the God of the new you. He's the God that can give you a new name and a new life. He is the God of someone named Simon as much as he is the God of someone named Peter. He is the God of someone who was timid and he can revive that timid person into somebody that's bold. And I preach to you for the last two minutes of this sermon. I came tonight to tell you that he is the God that will revive you from being, being depressed to living a life of joy. He is the God that can revive you from the old man and make you the new man in Christ Jesus. He 
is the God that can revive you to be born again. He is the God that can revive you to have a new name, a new life, a new reputation. He is the God of testimony. He is the God of revival. He is the God of your past to give you a future. How many of you want to be revived by this God? How many of you want to be revived? Last week we said, we said this, the reason why he can revive any area in your life, the reason why he can revive anything about you is because he revived himself. He raised himself from death. He gave himself life. And it doesn't matter what you're battling with. It doesn't matter what area there's death around. There's death in it. doesn't matter what you've lost. He can revive anything. And tonight he's going to do that. Who can take somebody with lack of identity and turn them into a soul winner? Who can take a drug addict, someone that's depressed, and wake him up to the life he was created to live? Who can take a young girl by the name of Anna, partying, losing her life away to foolish and wild things, and turn her into a preacher, and turn her into a leader, one who's revived to revive others? I want you to understand you serve the God of revival. He can take your mistakes and make them work together for you. There's nothing he can't revive. And tonight he wants to revive you. And maybe you're here tonight and you're like, well, pastor, I'm not in the world. I'm not struggling with my past. Well, what are you struggling with? Are you struggling to keep your prayer life? Are you struggling to keep your passion? Are you struggling to keep your fire? Because he can revive that too. He can revive your leadership. He can revive your finances. He can revive your marriage. He can revive your wife, your husband. He can revive your disciples. He can revive your mentorship. He can revive every single area that you need him to revive. What do you miss? What did you used to do that you don't do no more? Come on, God is trying to speak to somebody tonight. What did you have that you lost? What isn't a part of your leadership? What isn't a part of your character? What isn't a part of you? And you need God to revive. I want us to go back to the book of Psalms because tonight we're going to continue to make that prayer and that declaration. If we could just lower the lights. I really wanted to bring people up and minister to them, but we've been asked to not do that. But I believe that God can meet you at your chair. And I believe that fire can fall. I really feel like God wants to set ablaze young people here tonight. I really feel like God wants to awaken fresh passion, fresh fire, fresh hunger, fresh love. I believe God wants to give people a fresh start tonight. 
and continue to give you a fresh start. What is it that you need a fresh start in? Do you need a fresh start as someone's son, as someone's daughter? Do you need a fresh start with your family? Do you need a fresh start with your parents, with your mother, with your father? Do you need a fresh start in your marriage? Do you need a fresh start with your husband, with your wife, with your kids? What do you need God to revive in your life? What did you lose? Did you lose holiness? Did you lose passion, conviction? What is it that you lost and you need God to bring back to life? Tonight I want to ask young people to begin to just cry out to God. Whatever it is that you want God to resurrect in your life. Maybe it's dreams. Maybe you find yourself just like the prodigal son eating and living with pigs. Maybe you find yourself in a place in your life where you can't even think straight no more, where you don't even want to live, where you can't even dare to dream no more. Maybe you find yourself at a place in your life where you're no longer the same. You, you look back to reminisce and hope that one day you'll get back to where you were in your past. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where God can resurrect what you lost. Today is the day that God can resurrect what died in you. Today, God, I hear the Holy Spirit telling me today, God is going to revive innocence. God is going to resurrect innocence. He's going to restore innocence. He's going to bring innocence back into your life. He's resurrecting purity right now. He's resurrecting holiness right now. Somebody who's hungry to be revived. I want you to begin to cry out. If we can dim out the lights, begin to cry out for your revival begin to cry out to the God of revival to revive you begin to ask God oh God won't you bring me back to life in this area of my life oh God won't you bring this back to my life that I once had but now I lost oh God won't you clothe me with your robes again won't you let me in into your house again oh God to revive me. I believe that the God of revival is in this place. And there's just a spirit of revival that's coming over people tonight. And God is reviving hearts. God is reviving lives here tonight. He's reviving you. He's reviving you. He's reviving your innocence. He's reviving your purity. He's reviving your calling, your destiny. Some of you, you've been heading the wrong way, the wrong direction. Some of you, you've been going a, a hundred miles per hour in the wrong direction. And God is reviving you tonight to align you to the life that you were predestined to live, to the life that he's calling you to live. I feel the Spirit of God is telling me I'm reviving many leaders here tonight. I'm reviving your call to leadership. You forgot or you, or you lost that dream of leading others and being a, an effective leader and God's just he's reviving that quality in you to lead he's reviving you as a leader he's reviving you as a mentor many of you you've lost the passion to go and win souls and God is telling you if you pray that prayer and you ask me to revive you I will revive you I will give you a fire like you've never felt like you've never had 
I'll make you feel a fire you had never felt before. God is trying to tell somebody tonight, you haven't even scratched the surface yet, but all you got to do is ask me and pray. Oh God of revival, won't you revive me once again? you to just close your eyes for just one more moment. There's just a beautiful sound right now in the atmosphere. Why did you come tonight? Why are you here? If you don't know the answer to those two questions, You're here because God wants to revive you. Why did you come? Why are you even here tonight? God wants to revive you. There's an area in your life that can be revived. What do you miss? Yes, Holy Spirit. To. What do you constantly miss? What ways do you miss? Do you miss a specific prayer life? Do you miss a specific attitude of worship? God is asking someone tonight, have you lost your appetite? Have you lost your hunger for sacrifice? Have you lost your hunger for praying and fasting? Have you lost your hunger from leaving a Friday night service and just going home to be with God? What is it that you miss? What is it that you long for? What is it that you yearn? to just touch by heaven touch of heaven Do you miss being on fire? 
You know what I feel? I feel like someone misses being radical. I feel like there's people here tonight that you miss radical fire and radical hunger. And I feel like you're not so radical anymore. You're not as radical as you used to be. I feel like people used to call you more fanatic before than what they do now. But I feel like you miss it. I feel like you allow people's opinions to mold you, to quench that fire. But God is telling you, son, daughter, I know you miss it. I know you miss to be on fire for me. I know you miss being called religious and a fanatic. I know you miss the hunger and the thirst you had at one point in your walk with me. And tonight, if you ask me to revive that hunger, if you ask me to revive that thirst, I will come and be the God of your revival. Somebody got to ask God. Oh God, revive my hunger. Oh God, revive my thirst.
is doing something in this place. I feel like God is, he's telling somebody, he's reviving you from who you are right now to who you want to be, to how you see yourself in him. It's like that saw and Paul moment. I feel like God is reviving an area in your life that's an old way, an old pattern, an old life. And God is trying to tell you, look into that area of your life because I'm, I'm reviving you to be completely different. I feel like there's people being revived out of fear tonight. People are being revived out of fear, out of rejection. People are being revived out of passivity. Come on, in the name of Jesus, I just command all passivity right now to be broken, to come off, off from people. And I just declare revival. Revival hits your spirit. Revival, the God of revival encounters your hunger levels, encounters your heart right now. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, oh God of revival, right now I ask that you will revive all your sons and your daughters. Right now, let revival permeate. Let revival penetrate through all flesh, through souls and into their spirit. Something's happening right now. God is saying, I'm reviving a soul to become a Paul tonight. I'm reviving a Simon, someone full of fear and timid to become a Peter full of boldness.
you for joining us today and a special shout out to those who follow us on a weekly basis. If you love what you heard, hit the subscribe button and follow us at Remnant Youth on Instagram and YouTube. God bless you. We love you.